Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. Hi, I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, and this is a bite-sized research episode of the Learning Scientist Podcast, where we briefly describe research findings on a specific topic. In the last episode, we talked about interleaving, and what we mainly focused on is this idea that switching between different topics while studying can help students to learn how to distinguish between different ideas and different ways of solving problems. And so what we mostly talked about was how this applies to problem solving. So for example, students might be learning how to do different kinds of problems in math. A very simple example that we used was with my daughter who was learning how to do addition and subtraction. So she could either block it by doing lots and lots of addition problems and then lots and lots of subtraction problems later, or she could interleave the two. And what studies typically show is that interleaving the two might be more difficult during study and leads to lower performance while studying. But then on a later test, the interleaved condition actually performs better. So it's known as a desirable difficulty, this idea that during learning, your performance might be reduced due to difficulty, but then on a later test, you'll be doing better because you learned more of the information. So in the previous podcast, we talked about problem solving, and we also talked about some applications of interleaving to motor learning. So for example, in sports, if you're trying to learn different, say, golf strokes, it helps to interleave those as well. But today, what I wanted to talk about was a different application of interleaving. So in this case, what students will be trying to do is learn what examples fit with which categories. So the research on this has focused on a couple of different things. There's been one set of studies that has focused on how students learn to classify paintings by um, who has painted them. So for example, you could have students studying lots of Picasso paintings, lots of Rembrandt paintings, lots of Miro paintings, that's my favorite painter. And you could either have them block those paintings together or interleave so the different paintings by different artists are appearing in all sorts of different orders. Now, it's important to note that in these studies, the students aren't actually practicing retrieval or trying to solve anything while studying. They're just being presented with these different items, so different paintings by different painters. And what's typically found in these studies is that interleaving the examples helps learning in the future. So the way that learning's tested here is really interesting. What students are shown on the later test is actually new paintings that they've never seen before, but by the same artist that they'd studied. So it's not the paintings that they actually studied, it's new ones, but of course they're gonna have a similar style because they're painted by those same painters. And the task that the students have to do is to classify the paintings in terms of who painted them. So they see these new paintings, and then they have to say, was it uh, Juan Miro? Was it Picasso? Was it Rembrandt? And they do better when they study them in an interleaved fashion. So today I wanted to tell you about a brand new study that just came out. And this is a study that applies the same idea to learning chemistry. This is a study by Luke Eglinton and Sean Kang. And as I said, it's brand new, just came out. And in this set of experiments, what the students did was that they studied visual representations of chemicals. So what that is, is literally pictures of the atomic structure of the chemicals. And each diagram in these experiments, in the materials, showed the structure of the elements 
and how they form the chemicals. And you can see examples of these in the show notes. It's a little bit difficult to just describe, so please do take a look. So in this study, what happened was that students studied 12 examples of five categories. So a category, for example, could be alcohol, and there are lots of different chemicals within that that represent that category. So they studied a total of 60 different examples and then came back two days later and they were shown new examples that they hadn't seen before. And so the manipulation here, the key manipulation, is whether the students studied these examples in a row within a category, so 12 examples of alcohol followed by 12 examples of a different chemical category, or whether they were all interleaved together. So mixed up or jumbled up. And then at the test, they were shown brand new chemicals that they hadn't seen during study, but that came from those same categories. And they were asked to classify them in terms of which category they fit into. And so what the authors found was that those students who had interleaved the categories during study, they got an average of 85% on that later test. The test is two days later but the people who had blocked only achieved 71% accuracy. In the next experiment, the authors made the materials more complex because 85, 71%, that's you know pretty good uh, memory two days later, but what happens if the materials are more complex? Maybe in that case, the interleaving is just gonna be too complicated and it's gonna make it too difficult. But what they found with these more complex materials is exactly the same pattern but now everybody just performed worse. So the, those who interleaved got 65% correct and those who blocked got only 49% correct. So essentially we see the exact same pattern with interleaving during study being more effective, but overall these are more complex materials. So everybody performed worse in this experiment than the previous one. So finally, in the last two experiments, what the authors were interested in doing was seeing what happens if they actually pointed out to the students what the key features of each of the chemical categories were. They thought that perhaps by pointing out the different features, the benefit of interleaving would go away because one of the potential sources of benefit of interleaving is that it helps students to distinguish between different categories. So maybe if you point out how the categories differ, then interleaving is no longer useful. So what they did was that it just highlighted in red on the uh, chemical compound images which of the features distinguished them between different categories. But despite the hypothesis that this would make blocking just as good as interleaving, what they found was still the same pattern, which is that the interleaving group still outperformed those in the blocking group. So even when the key distinctive features are pointed out, interleaving is still more helpful than blocking. So you might be thinking that this type of learning is very basic. It's just determining how to categorize chemical compounds and maybe it doesn't apply too much beyond that. But the thing is, it's actually very, very important to know these basic properties of chemistry if you, the students want to go on and study chemistry in more depth. So for example, knowing which chemicals belong to which category is essential for students who want to understand how the chemicals interact, because then they can say, oh, okay, so I know that this chemical compound is an alcohol and therefore it will interact, interact in this particular way with another chemical. And so in order to make that connection, students need to actually know which chemicals are which. And the same can actually be said for any subject, that knowing the basics is essential to later understanding of more complex abstract ideas. And next month, we'll continue to talk about this in our podcast episode on concrete examples. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes 
or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're able, go over to iTunes and make sure to rate us. It helps others find our podcast so that we can share research about learning. I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, and thanks for listening. The Learning Scientist podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust.